Welcome to week five of our series, The Kingdom. Uh, man, I, I've been studying this week, and I'm like, okay, Kelly, it's week five. You want to end on Father's Day, make it six, and let's make it even. And I, I'm just not sure because God has been showing me so many things about the church and where we need to be in advancing the kingdom and what it looks like. Our definition, Chloe, help me out. Our definition of the kingdom of God is this. The kingdom of God, read this with me if you've been here. The kingdom of God is what it looks like to live life in the, in the, and under the, that's what we're talking about. And we believe as followers of Jesus, as a church, as people that God has miraculously saved, we have been called, we have been given the task of bringing the culture of heaven to earth where we work, where we live, our neighborhoods. And if I don't believe Jesus would have told us to pray, if pray that prayer if it wasn't possible. Jesus said, hey, pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In, in Matthew 1, uh, stay with me. Uh, Jesus shows up on the scene. He announces the kingdom of God is near. It, it's here. He proceeds to show the people, hey, this is what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. Every healing that took place, Riley, good to see you this week, I've been missing you. Every healing that took place, every person raised from the dead, every demonic spirit cast out, Jesus was saying, hey, this is what it looks like to live life in the presence of God, in the power of God, and under the authority of God. This is what it looks like. And then jump down 15 chapters to chapter 16. We see Jesus' first mention of the church. The church. First time Jesus ever mentions the church. And, and what brings it up is Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples. And he says, hey guys, hey, what's the word on the street about me? What are people saying about me? Who do they say that I am? One of them is like, oh, one of them says you're John the Baptist, come back to life. One of them says Elijah. One of them says another prophet. They're going on. Then Jesus says, okay, that, that's great. But hey, who do you say I am? Enough about what other people are saying. What about you? Who do you say I am? And, you know, and Peter, Peter's used to blurting things out before he thinks about it. And he blurts, oh, you're, you're Jesus. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. And, and, and Jesus looks at him, and that's where we're going to pick up this conversation today. Uh, Matthew 16, verse 17. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you now that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build what? Come on, I will build what? My church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. That's pretty good, right? Hey, no longer are you Simon, somebody who drifts easily. Now you're rock. You're steady. On this rock, I'm going to build my church. But then he goes on. And I will give you, bring this up for me. I will give you what? Say it with me. The, the keys to the kingdom of Heaven. What have we been talking about? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. He says, not only are you a rock, not only this is where I'm going to build my church, I'm going to give you the keys to my kingdom. Now, for over 2,000 years, Jesus has been and remained alive and kicking, right? I mean, he, he, is, 
He, he, he's alive. He's just alive as he was. He is more alive. Sad to say, that's not the case for the church. In fact, I, w- I would venture to say that the church is, in one, is at its most struggling state that it's ever been. When I say the church. In fact, uh, David Kinneman of the Barna Group said that as many as one in five church, churches throughout this pandemic could close their doors permanently. One in five. But get this, even before COVID hit, estimates were that every year in the U.S. alone, 65% of churches were in decline and that the yearly average for church closing their doors for good was right at 3,700 churches a year. So it's hard to say the church is alive and kicking. The statistics bring me to my first point if you're taking notes. Chloe, if you'll help me. If a church is not continually being renewed and transformed by the work of Holy Spirit, that church will ultimately die. If the church, if a church, if Watch Bar Church is not continually being renewed and transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit, we will die. Here's what Denise and I, as pastors, Here's what we as a church have to wrestle with is that if what's our community church, if we're not being renewed, if we're not being transformed, what does our future look like? You know, uh, Denise and Kennedy, uh, when they went on their, uh, Kennedy graduated from high school and they went on their uh, European cruise, and they, they saw this one church, I cannot remember the the church it was, but this magnificent church, but now, and it started out as being a gathering place for people, but now it was just a tourist attraction. Watts Bar Church, I wonder, if we are not continually being renewed, transformed by Holy Spirit, will the day come when people will drive by and say, hey, that's where that church used to be. That used to be on fire. That used to be full of passion used to have people that love lights out. And that's what I do not want for us. Uh, well, let's come back to Matthew 16 here in a few minutes. If you've got a Bible, and we'll turn to Revelation chapter 3. If not, I'm going to bring the Scripture up on the screen. I want to show you what a church looks like that is not continually being renewed and transformed by the Holy Spirit. This church we're going to look at today is the church in Sardis. More than likely, it was planted by the Apostle Paul as an outreach of his ministry in Ephesus. This church was once a vibrant, lively church, growing. It was spirit-filled. It was changing lives. It was making a difference in the community. Uh, They were walking and living under the umbrella of the kingdom of God and what that looks like. And here's what gets said about them in Revelation 3, starting with verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. We'll come back. Verse 2. Wake up. 
Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Verse 3. Remember therefore what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. If you don't wake up, I'm going to come like a thief and you won't even know what's happened. Let's go back to verse 3. Where he says this, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Can you bring that up for me? It's the next scripture there, Chloe. I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. How does a church that was once vibrant, that was once fully alive, a church that was a hospital for the walking wounded in their community, a church that was making disciples, that was reaching the laws, that were seeing people set free. How does it come to this? You've got a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. Jesus says, hey, you put on a good show. Uh, you look the part. You sing all the right worship songs. You sing everything from Maverick City to Elevate to Bethel. Come on. Uh, we have sung so many Maverick City songs. They ought to be making a million dollars off every time we sing these songs. You're singing all the right songs. You're even doing Bible reading plans together. You're having nightly prayers. You're saying the right prayers. But you're not really, through all that, you're not really expecting God to move. You do all the right things that church people do. But he says, but after further investigation, I found that you are really dead inside. Outside looks great. But the inside is dead. It's dead. We look alive. We say the right things. Come on, we know the right words to say. How you doing, old blessed and highly favored? Come on now. Oh, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. You know all the, but inside, you're really dead. And Jesus gives the church at Sardis what I believe are five things. Hey, guys, this, this is where you're at, but I want to give you five things that can take you back to being the, the church I created you to be. And I believe these are the five things that God is also saying to Watts Bar Community Church. The first one is this. He's saying, wake up. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. Wake up. We, we kicked off this. Yeah, anybody remember this series we kicked off this year uh, called Haya? C-H-A-Y-H. It's the Hebrew word. What it means is revive. Revive. It's to cause to live, to stir up or rekindle as a fire. To recover from a state of neglect, obscurity, or depression. To refresh with joy or hope. That's what Jesus is saying here to Sardis. Wake up. Hiya. Revive yourself. Rekindle a fire that used to burn. So what you've gone through a pandemic? So what the past 18 months haven't been what you've expected it? Come on, wake up. Quit sleeping. It's time. Time to do something. Shake yourself. In other words, you've got some areas of your life you've been neglecting. Come on now. You've got some areas you've let slide. And now's the time to strengthen those things. 
strengthen them before they do completely die. If we're honest, we've got some areas we've been neglecting. Come on. Our spiritual health has been neglected. I, I told them that when they come in for prayer this morning, 930, I said, guys, I don't expect a whole lot of amens today just to prepare you. And then I said, I've got the, I do have these fun eight points, though. And I started reading them. And Amanda said, they're not really that, no, it's Candace said, they're not really that funny. I said, I know I was being sarcastic. I said, but our spiritual health has been neglected. Our physical health has been neglected. Can we get real? The church has, for too long, we really like pointing out other people's sins. But, buddy, don't talk about gluttony or don't talk about health or don't talk about me eating what I should eat. Come on now. Let's talk about the other really bad sins. Not the fact that Jesus said my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. As Chris says, man, I can feel the smell of the flesh burning. So that's what Chris says. We've, we've neglected our emotional health. Uh, we've neglect, neglected our faith. Uh, here, here, here was what I read of them. Here are my top seven ways, that, you know, uh, uh, Jeff Foxworthy did, you might be a redneck. Well, these are, you might need to be revived if, but none of these are funny. I'm just going to go ahead and prepare. But if you want to nervously laugh, feel free. You might need to be revived. If you sit in a service watching the clock or playing with your phone instead of raising your hands in worship. You might need to be revived when the pastors have to beg people to step up and serve. Dang. Woo. Let's do something funny. You might need to be revived when you're more consumed with getting the new PS5, the new gun, the new purse or vehicle. More, you're more concerned about that more than you are being obedient with your money to God. Oh, these are good. <laughs> you're going to want to put these on a t-shirt somewhere. I, I'm just telling you. You might need to be revived when you begin to see church as just one of many options on Sunday. You might need to be revived when you put more faith and trust in who you elect than you do God. Let, let me take that a step further. You might need to be revived when you're more passionate about your political party or who you won't vote in office, but then you come in here and you sit like you're dead. But yet you'll argue up and down on Facebook about your points. Oh man, now I'm just now I'm just meddling. But here, let me add this. That's set the Lord. Uh, let's go. <laughs> you might need to be revived when you know the truth, but you don't apply it to your lives. And my last one. You might need to be revived when you spend more time daydreaming, daydreaming about what God did back then instead of leaning into what God is doing right now. Let me say this, bring that point up. Death in the present and future are often results from living in the past. The church at Sardis had become so self-centered, apathetic, and so spiritually blah that they didn't re realize, hey, they were living on reputation at all. The reputation of what they used to be like. 
But what they were right now was dead. Let me, let me say, you can't just go on, keep doing what you're doing. The same old same. You have to be in a constant state of renewal and being transformed by the Holy Spirit, guys. When Jesus said, wake up, the people listening, they would have understand Jesus' words very clearly. Wake up because Sardis, the place there, that, that little city of Sardis, it was on this mountaintop that was about 1,500 feet above the floor of the valley. And the people thought, we are impenetrable. We, no one can beat us here. No one can attack us here. But on two separate occasions, they be, uh, an army come in and destroyed the city. Do you know why? Because the person that was on watch, that was supposed to be there saying, Hey, wake up, wake up, people are coming, fell asleep. And Jesus is saying, Hey, wake up. Remember why, why you were attacked the past two times. Remember? Because you fell asleep. Wake up. Wake up, guys. See, see, see then we should always learn from the past. Are you hearing me? I, I mean, we, we should. The past can give us insight. It can give us wisdom. It can give us gratitude for God's faithfulness in our life. The past can teach us a valuable lesson, right? But learning from the past is completely different than living there. A church that chooses to live in the past will sleep through and end up just going through the motions during divine moments of what God is doing right now. Jesus said, wake up. The second thing we can learn is this. Strengthen your mission, but be flexible with your methods. Strengthen your mission. Jesus said, wake up. Strengthen what remains. There are some, some things in this church that will never change. The values, the mission of this church will never change. What our beliefs, what we believe about the Bible, that will never change. I don't care what culture says. I don't care what somebody else says. What we believe about the Bible, that's not going to change. I don't care if it's popular or not. Those things, the way our vision and mission statement, love God, love people, serve others, that's not going to change. We may reword it, but that thing is not going to change. God's word will never change. We are married to the mission and the core values of this church, but we are not married to the methods. Well, what do you mean? Listen, here's the thing. Paul used a quill and papyrus to write. I use my laptop. Two different methods, right? Paul had to raise his voice to be heard when he spoke. Me, I look back at Gabe and say, Gabe, turn me up. Paul wore a toga when he preached. You don't want me preaching in a toga. Thank you. I mean, come on now. We do have a picture of me and Denise in togas on our honeymoon in Jamaica. We were small then. It only took one sheet to wrap me. <laughs> now you better get the big king size one out. Kelly's going to the toga. So never mind. Let's go on. <laughs> our mission, our values, they're the same as when my mom and dad started this church 30 years ago. They're the same. But can I tell you the methods have changed. 
You know what kills a church quicker than anything? When they are more in love with their methods than the people they're trying to reach. That kills a church quicker than anything. And that's why you can go into a lot of churches around here and it feels like you're walking into 1970 because that's the way things work then, that's the way they work, and that's the way they're supposed to always work. And they never change their methods. I'm going to tell you, we are continually changing. We, right now, we do centuries. But I'm, when, when Mom and Dad were there, it was Easter Splendor. How many remember Easter Splendor? Two totally different Easter dramas, right? How many remember Easter Splendor? And, and then how, how many have seen centuries? Two totally different methods of presenting the life of Jesus, but the same gospel. The same gospel. Our methods, are, are, we, we cannot be married. You need to know something. Here at Watts of Our Church, we're in love with God and Jesus, but we're also in love with the people that he's called us to minister to. Look at verse 2 again in, this, in its entirety. Revelation 3, 2. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. Watch this. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. This is not in my notes, but man, I just felt a prompting here. Can I tell you, I believe there's some unfinished things in here in this community that God has not seen done yet. That God is waiting for a church to wake up and get to work. Some unfinished. Here's what Jesus said, wake up. You may be dead, but you're not done. Come on. Because I'm not done. I've still got more for you. I am the resurrection and the life in my kingdom. Listen, if you're dead, I can raise you back to life. That's what my kingdom looks like. And here's the thing. Bring up that point. We're not finished yet. Why? Because he's not finished yet. Come on. We're not finished yet. That's good news because he's not finished yet. Now I'm going to do that preacher thing. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not finished yet. Because God's not finished yet. Now wake up. Listen, Watts Bar Community Church, I refuse to believe that the best years of this church are over with. I refuse to believe the best years of your life are over with. I believe that the end can be better than the past. Come on. I believe it. We're not, somebody said, well, how will I know when God's done with me? You'll be dead. You'll be dead. When you're dead, God's done. PK, you just don't understand. I don't have much to give. If I'm being honest, I don't have a lot in the tank right now. Do you hear what Jesus said? Strengthen what remains. You're on E, you still got a little bit in there. It may be puttering. But you still got to strengthen what remains. Whatever you have left, strengthen it. Why? Because God's got unfinished business left to attend to, and he wants to use you to do it. Strengthen what remains. And then, listen, Jesus is like, listen, go ahead with your cancel, cancel culture, because here's the thing, you can't cancel me. He said, I, I've been doing this for years. You can go in. I, I'm the, the same spirit that raised me from the dead now lives in you, and they can't cancel you either. Come on. Strengthen what remains. The third thing Jesus says is this. Remember, this has never been about working harder. It's about trusting more. 
Memory is a powerful thing, right? I mean, the right memory can make you smile, can make you laugh. The wrong memory can make you angry, can make you cry, can break your heart all over again. Can I tell you, be careful what memories you allow yourself to focus in on. Are you hearing me? Because some of you, your biggest issue is you're focusing on memories that are not bringing you life, but are reminding you of death. I know Casey, uh, him and Tiff are sick this morning. He, he went down to give his testimony that you'll be able to see. Uh, went down and he's, he's going to be part of the, uh, come, on. come on, let's go. And he said, the guy kept wanting me to focus in and, and go more detail about my, my, my burglaries that I did and different things like that. And he said, man, he said, honestly, I did those things, but I, I don't want to give them any more glory than what I have to. Because what God has done in me is bigger than those little things right there. But if we're not careful, come on, how many remember testimony service? Where 10 minutes of the focus was on what the devil had done, and then 30 seconds, but praise be to God. Be careful what memories you allow drive your attention. Look what Jesus tells the church in verse 3. Remember, therefore, what you have received and what you have heard. Hold it fast and repent. A lot of theologians believe that when Jesus said what he's doing here is actually reminding the believers of when they received the gift of Holy Spirit. Because the same verb that's translated received is the same verb used in the scriptures when it says the disciples received the Holy Spirit. And they believe that Jesus said, hey, remember when you were full of life. Remember when you burned with passion. Remember that encounter. Remember the kingdom of God operating your life when the Holy Spirit was active daily in your life. See, I believe the only way we can remain passionate is through an active work of Holy Spirit. I mean, that's why uh, it, it says so many times in the Bible, Ephesians 16 or 6:18, pray in the Spirit. First Corinthians, he says, preach in the Spirit. John 4, 24, worship in the Spirit. Galatians 5, 25, live in the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16, walk in the Spirit. In the Spirit, guys, listen, we cannot afford to live on old reputations. Oh, I remember when that church used to be alive. Great. What about right now? What about what's going on right now? In you, we will never become who God fully intends us to become on our own strength, our own abilities, our own creative, because we got some creative people. But if we depend upon our own creativity, we will never be who God called us to be. We can't even do it on our own determination. We will only become who we were fully meant to be through the power of Holy Spirit working in us and through us. That's it. This past Monday night at our Monday night prayer meeting, I was up on the keyboards leading in worship, leading in prayer, and the direction I felt like God was leading, and God was, and I felt, man, I felt Holy Spirit just begin to prompt me to pray in a direction. And here's the direction I begin to pray out loud: God, rekindle the passion of the people in this house. Let us become more hungry for you than we are anything else. Let a fire begin to burn deep within us that we cannot control or that we cannot contain. God, restore us, rekindle us, bring us back to our first love. As the song said, we need 
a fresh fire. Can I tell you, I'm more desperate for Holy Spirit to work in me than I ever have been before. I don't want to get on the stage and speak, preach, teach. I don't want to even get up here and take up an offering or, or, or try to do anything without Holy Spirit being in it. Because all it is is noise. All it is is noise. I was thinking about this yesterday, and, 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 I'm, and I'm not patting myself. So, but I, I, for, I don't even know why I'm thinking this, man. I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm a decent communicator. I could probably go give a TED Talk and pe get people, keep them interested, make them laugh and do something. I thought, but God, you know what? If that's all I am, when I show up on Sunday mornings, then all I'm doing is giving a 40-minute TED Talk. I don't, want to, I don't want to get up there without Holy Spirit. I don't want to get up there and just talk. I don't want to, because honestly, there is no power in what I say if Holy Spirit is not operating through me. I, I am desperate for God. And Jesus said, remember what you have received. And he says, and what you have, what? Heard. There are some of you. You've had words spoken over you in the past. You've had prophecies given over. You've not seen them come to pass, so you set them up on the shelf and just forgot about them. I believe now is the time to remember what was spoken over you, what you heard, the message you received. I remember, remember what I said. Listen, I know you've gone through, some of you have gone through a lot of junk over the past 18 months, over the past week or whatever. But what I said, whatever's going on in your life, whatever has taken hold of you, whatever's caused you to want to quit or, or take a break, that does not change the promises of God over your life. Some of you need to pull those promises out. Pull those words spoken off the shelf and remember what was spoken on, over you. And the fourth thing that we need to learn, she says, hold on. Hold on. You said, remember what you received and heard and hold fast to it. Repent. While renewal and revival are the works of a sovereign God, we have to put ourselves in a position to receive it. Are you hearing me? It's like I can go, uh, 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 Denise, when we were in Mexico a couple years ago, there was this water fountain that we, uh, we didn't, I'd like to say we hiked up to it, but we had a guy take us on a four-wheeler because uh, that's the kind of people we are. Uh, we're not much hikers, but hey, yeah, we're going to ATV. Uh, and there's water, and that was so beautiful. You know what I had to do if I wanted to receive what was coming out of that water fountain? I had to get in first knee deep and I had to actually walk over and put myself in a position to where I could receive the water that was coming out. See I believe Holy Spirit's moving. God is moving but we as followers of Jesus we've got to get up, wake up and get up off our tails, put ourselves in a position to receive what he is pouring out. Come on this is not a fast food gospel. This is where you've got to go in and sit down, order, and then you've got to stay there until your meal is brought to you. But a lot of times we want, we want fast food. Yeah, I have a word of knowledge. I need to feel better about what's going on in my life. Speak to me. And then here's what we hear. One of those fast foods, Mike's, 
Do what? When we need to get face to face with the person. And they can tell us, here's what you need. Oh, man, that, that wasn't even in my notes. Hold on. Hold on. Hold fast. What money means is, yes, God does the work, but there are things we need to do as well. Uh, you've heard me say it before, hey, we'll, we do everything that we can do, and what we cannot do, we need to put it in God's hands. I know many of you are tired, many of you are worn out, you're frustrated, you don't know how much more you can take or how much longer you can go, but I'm here to tell you the word for you today is hold on. Hold on. The last thing that Jesus tells the church of Sardis is this. Repent, turn around. Repent, turn around. The Greek word for repent is matinel. It literally means to change your mind. Change your mind or change directions. When the Bible talks about repenting, God's going to tell you that it always involves three things, the heart, the mind, and the will. When it talks about repenting, the heart, the mind, and the will, repent. It means I change my mind about doing things my way and my way only. I change my mind about putting all my trust in me and what I can do. And I turn around and say, God, I completely surrender and rely on you. Can I tell you, church, until the church gets, we the church, gets to a place where we say, God, I don't know it all. I don't know what's best for me. I repent. We will not see the kingdom of God established here on earth. A.W. Tozer said this. Give it up. How well or how sick the church is? Depends on how, how well or sick the individuals are. In other words, it depends on how you are. How well or how sick Watts Bar Community Church is depends on how well the people in it are or how sick the people in it are. Guys, if we're going to see Jesus' prayer reality, where his kingdom comes to earth and his will is done on earth and is in heaven, repenting is a must. We gotta be willing to change our minds. We gotta be willing to change our minds about what God can do. We gotta be willing to change our minds about what is possible. We gotta be willing to change our minds about our complacency, our doubts, our unbelief. We got to be willing to change our minds about being inconvenienced by God. Look at the time. Oh, I got time. If you're visiting, man, I'm really, I, I mean, I, I pray you're getting, but I'm really, I'm talking to people that call this place home. And hear the heart of your father, of your pastor who's been called, many of these have been called. You know one of the reasons why we, we took the summer off to go to one service to give our volunteers a break? It's not because we don't have a lack of resources. We've got people in here that can serve every week. On, I mean, you could. But you don't want to be inconvenienced. You don't want to be inconvenienced by having to get there early. 
You don't want to be inconvenienced by having to say, I'll be there and having to actually be there. And some of you today need to repent. God, forgive me for that attitude to where I've made church all about me and what I get when I've been called to give as I've been given. We've got to be willing to change our minds on that. We've got to be willing to change our minds on how we see or view individuals. Because the church too long. Come on, I've, I've hammered this and I will continue hammering it. Too long we see people and, and we don't see them as Jesus sees them. We see them as we see them. Dirty, nasty, reprobate. faggot dyke come on am I being clear and we expect and we, we sit back when we see them that when we sit back we wonder I just don't know why they can't see the love of God in me I don't know why they can't see how much God loves them because you're too big as you call them every name else, sinner and everything else, other than, hey, God loves you like you are, and he's just waiting for an encounter with you. I, I don't know. I, man, this has been, if you don't know anything about Kelly, you, and if you've been here any time, you know this. And I, I, I see it because I've been shown so much grace in my life. Man, I, I, I'm a grace giver because I've been shown so much. Because God didn't look at me as a divorcee, as a drunk, as a pervert. Come on. But he saw me as someone that just needed an encounter with him. Are you with me? Some of you, you may be here for your first time or it may be a while since you've walked through a church door. And the reason you didn't walk through a church door because all you knew about church and about Christians was they didn't like people like you. Let me be the first to tell you that's not this church. I mean, look at me. I'm living proof of that. And they allow me to pastor them. We love people right where they're at. But we also know this, that God loves them so much, he refuses to leave them where they're at. And an encounter with God can change their mind. It can change them quicker than anything me saying to them can. Let's go. Let's wrap it. Guys, this nation, this community, this area, Ray County, Mex County, uh, my wife always has to remind me of the surrounding counties. Rome. Monroe County, McMahon, it needs healing. Can we agree on that? It needs healing. I mean, and in Second Chronicles, God says, you want me to bring healing? Here's how it comes. Bring that up. If my people who are called by my name, how many are followers of Jesus? Come on, Ray, if you're a follower. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves Pray, seek my face, turn, repent, methanel, change their minds about their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. 
forgive them their sins, and I will heal their land. You want to see where you work healed? You want to see the, the school you go to healed? You want to see the people you hang out with heal the community, the neighborhood? Well, guess what? It starts with you. It starts with you. It starts right here. We want to see and experience healing, deliverance, restoration here in our communities. It starts with us. We've got to quit pointing fingers at everybody else. We've got to stop pointing fingers at political parties. We've got to stop pointing fingers at people that disagree with us. or don't. We've got to and say, no, 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 no. Here's where it is. Here's where the issue is. Churches, the truth is churches are dropping like flies, guys. We're still here. We're still fighting. We're still going. But get this, I don't want to be a, a church that just survives. Oh, I want to thrive. I want to thrive. I'm telling you, I don't care what anybody, y'all know we get talked about a lot. I don't, that doesn't, it used to bother me when me and Denise first started pastoring. It doesn't bother me at all because I know this, we're not a church for everybody. But those that we are a church for, they get us because we're getting them through the power of God. We know who we're called to. We know who God has called us to. Let's see where we started, guys. Jesus says, hey, who do you say that I am? Peter answers, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus looks back at Peter and says this. Bring that verse up. I tell you, you are Peter. On this rock, I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is the first time Jesus mentions the church. And he does so right in sync with the gates of hell. What's a gate used for? I mean, it's, either, it's used to either keep someone or an animal or something in or out, right? One or the other. And Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Can I tell you this? A gate, you'll never turn around and find a gate following you. A gate's never going to chase you down. Oh, if I can just get them, I can lock them in. You have to go find a gate. Are you hearing me? You have to go to the gate. It's stationary. That's what it is. And Jesus said, you are my church. And the first thing I want to commission you to is go to the gates of hell and become gate crashers. Because there are people. Come on now. The church for too long, we've been on the defense. We don't want to hurt. We don't want to offend. We don't want to, we, we've been on the defense. We've taken this posture of just trying to ride out the storm. But according to Jesus, we should be on the offense. Jesus said, I'm the ch- you're the church that I'm building, the kingdom I'm bringing, and there's nothing that will be able to overpower, conquer it, because you are able to go crash gates and bring those people to freedom. We're called to be gate crashers. The message says that verse like this. 
And upon this rock I will build my church. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth. Earth and heaven. Mm, man, it's so good. That, why is it so important we understand the kingdom of God and his agenda? Because there are people in our community that are behind gates. Gates of poverty. Gates of addiction. Gates of hate. Gates of hurt. Gates of unforgiveness. Come on, guys. Gates of darkness. Gates of depression. Gates of sickness. And Jesus says, I'm asking you, be my church and go set those people free. Come on. C.T. Studd is famous for saying this. What a name. You like that CT stud. But I love what he said. Bring this up. Some people want to live within the sound of chapel bells. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Let me tell you, if you've been coming to this church for a long time and I haven't made you uncomfortable yet, you've not been listening but I'm about to make you uncomfortable. Because I'm going to tell you, if you're just showing up for a social club, hear this pastor's heart, we need your seat. We need your seat for people that are actually going to come in here and become gate crashers and go take health by storm. There's a lot of other churches that will welcome you in and say, hey, let me make you feel good about yourself. Let me let you know. But we are about building disciples that will go outside these four walls and be the church outside this place. If not, that's all this is, is a country club. And listen, I'm, I didn't sign up to, to, to lead a country club. If I did, we'd have much nicer seats. We're not called to hunker down and get comfortable. We're not called to just ride the storm out and hope for the best. We are the church. In fact, with this should be a t-shirt. We are the church and we crash gates. That's what we do. We are the church. We crash gates. That's what we do. We are the church. We look beyond the addict and see the son and daughter of God. We are the church. We look beyond the homosexual, the lesbian, and we see the daughter, the son of God. We are the church. We see beyond the homeless person and see the, the, that they are a daughter or a son of God. We are the church. We see beyond the person that is trying to commit suicide five times. And we see a longing for to be a son and daughter of God. We are the church. We crash gates. That's what we do. Thank God. What are you waiting for, guys? He said the gates of hell will not prevail. What are we waiting for? Guys, you're a soldier. You're a soldier. It's 
time to start acting like one. We are in wartime, in case you haven't figured it out. There is a very real enemy. Come on, we experience that, and we see the work of that enemy every Thursday night, Danny and Melody. We see the work of that enemy every Tuesday night. But he said, I see the work of the enemy every week. Man, meeting with people, talking with people. And I can no longer choose to just act like it's not happening. We are in wartime. You know what? We talk a lot about the hope of the world. You know what the hope of the world is? You're the church. You're the church. Kelly, I'm not a pastor. I, I, I'm not a preacher. I disagree. Every day when you show up at work, every day when you show up at school, when you show up at the park to play ball, when you show up at your kids' game, you're preaching something. And you're either preaching the hope of glory and what it's done in your life, or you're joining in the conversation around you. Man, this world is filled with broken people. There's not a person in here that doesn't know somebody's broken. And there's a lot of them in here. I want to close giving you this. I know I've said it like, listen, I'm a pastor. I've got to write to close four or five times. It's just part of the description. My, bu- my brother Chris paraphrased Matthew 16, verses 18 and 19. I love his paraphrasing of this. Pull this up for me. On your confession of my lordship, God says, I will establish my church, and all of hell's power cannot withstand you as you find suffering people being held captive by the devil and set them free in the power of my name. He goes on, I will give you all the authority of my kingdom to set people free from the devil's dominion. Whatever you disallow on earth, I will disallow. Whatever you allow, I will allow. You cannot be stopped as you seek to set people free. Stand with me.